do announcements, the vibe in the room is high, and you come up all excited to share, and, and sometimes the, the energy in the room goes down. We're like, all right, well, let's keep it to three announcements. But uh, if you want to know more, uh, on the website and on the app, there's like a full calendar of things that are going on. So another slide came up about a baptism meeting because uh, we don't want to bog you guys down, but it is exciting when stuff is happening and stuff is going on. And um, as much as you want to be involved, we want you to be involved even more. So thanks, Caitlin, for that. Hey, would you guys open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 14? We are going to do something very similar and also a little different today. I'm going to read for us 10 verses, but these 10 verses kind of set the course for the rest of the book. We're going to jump around a little bit. I'm not going to lose you. We'll, we'll go through it together. You guys will see what I'm getting at as we move through. The title of our message today um, is called How to Overcome Abandonment Issues. Thought about a lot of different things, but what we're looking at is what it looks like to be lonely, to be abandoned, and that there is actually, it's not a, a dead-end street, there's actually a way to overcome. Um, so we're going to get to look at the most abandoned person who ever lived and the most secure, uh, not injured person who ever lived, and that's Jesus. So can we bow our hearts? Uh, you don't have to bow your heads. You can keep your eyes wide open if you want. You can raise a hand. But a bowing of a heart is a, a, a sense of laying down, um, overpowering emotions or distractions to the authority and the person of Jesus. So we want to bow our hearts in, uh, unto our king who will lead us, and we just want to ask his blessing over this time. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. I went back 20-something years in time when we sang that last song because I, I, I was reminded of when I first gave my life to you. That little church we went to, we sang that song, and I remember sitting there listening to all these people sing this song and read those words, and I was like, man, this is heavy. And these people believe this, and I want to believe this. And here I am, Lord, again, and just singing those words together with my church family. Thank you, our Father, for giving us your Son. So, Jesus, we know that, that you want to speak, speak to us. We believe that. We know that much. And the things that you want to say give life, and they illuminate our, our path, and they bring healing to our bodies, to our minds, to our spirits. So we want to ask that you would speak those words of life in this place this morning. And Holy Spirit, we tell you that you are the guest of honor here, and you, it is um, your presence accompanied by your word that will do uh, the work that needs to be done in this place. So we ask that you would do all that you want to accomplish today. And if you agree with that prayer, would you join me by saying amen? amen. All right. Mark chapter 14. We're going to pick it up in verse 32. Okay, actually, that might be the verses we have on the screen, but as I was looking at this again this morning, just for context, let's back it up to verse 27. Jesus said to them, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Verse 29, Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you that this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, 
If I must die with you, I will die with you. I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, that the hour might pass from him. And the other accounts, or maybe if you've seen any movies of, or, you know, around this time, this is where Jesus was sweating blood. This is where the anxiety and stress was so high that the condition actually will manifest itself as blood vessels busting on the inside of your your skull and your scalp and the stress is so intense and you're sweating and blood mixed with sweat is pouring out. This is, this is this place. Um, Verse, he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Verse 36. And he said, Abba, father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Underline that verse, would you? Put an asterisk in your, in your uh, what's it called? The column. Um, just just put a mark if you have your Bible with you. If you don't have your Bible with you, um, we have some in the back, and you can take one with you when you leave today, so you will always have a Bible with you, And um, because God's word is amazing. Watch and pray that you may not enter temptation, for the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and he prayed, saying the same words, And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy and he did not know what to, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and he said, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Jesus knows abandonment more than any person who has ever lived. Chapters 14 and all of 15 are an account of Jesus' abandonment. If you keep that in your mind as you read those, you will see that he is abandoned by absolutely everyone. Jesus will be abandoned by his community. The same people that said, Hosanna, save us now, will spit on him and throw rocks at him and yell, crucify him. He will be abandoned by his church, by his church community. They will reject him. If you read a little bit further down, starting in verse 55, it says, Now the chief priests the whole, and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death. They were getting people in their church community and being like, Who's got beef with Jesus? Anything he's done, come forward and speak now. And it was this church community. It says, while they found none, it said, For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree And some stood up and bore false witness against him. And again in verse 64, they said, You have heard this blasphemy, Jesus saying that he was God. And he says, they say, what is your decision? And they all, his church family, the people that should have received them the most, it said, put him to death. We reject him. And then the community was like, yeah, us too. He was abandoned by his church. 
He was abandoned by his community. He was abandoned by his friends. Peter, I'll ride, you're my ride or die, Lord. No matter what, I'm with you. And he's like, Peter, remember we talked last week? Even when he predicts when you will fall, when you will sin again, God still loves you. But he says, you're, tonight, you're going to deny not just once, three times that you know me. Peter's like, no way. And then we have Peter by the fire, warming himself later this same evening after the garden. And that's where this girl was like, you were with Jesus is arrested. And they're saying that he should be killed. Probably all known accomplices too. You were with him. No way. And he denies three times. He was denied by his friends. And they all deserted him. In the garden where Jesus says, rise for my betrayer is at hand. Continue on in verse in chapter 14, and there's the account of what happened when they came down. Actually, there's this crazy two verses that says, and this one kid fled naked from the scene because they were trying to round them all up. And prob- it doesn't say in the Bible, but tradition and, and some written um, uh, handed down things say it could have been Mark who wrote this because he was young at the time. And the, this dinner where all this was had, this last Passover, could have been Mark's parents' house. They are just looking at different ties, and whether it was or whether it wasn't, there was a young man there that late that night when they were walking out to the garden kind of rolled in his PJs and went with them just in what you wore back then, which looked like a big old nightgown, but it was like your tunic that you wore under your robes. So he was out in the garden late, Maybe he had come out to see these, try to warn Jesus as these crowds are coming to arrest him. And then somebody goes to grab this kid, but he just wants to flee so he doesn't get in trouble or doesn't get arrested. And it says that they ripped his clothes and he was so scared he abandoned and he ran away naked, back maybe back into town. But all these people, when it got, when the heat got hot on Jesus, they bounced. They deserted him. Jesus was even abandoned by his father. When Jesus was on the cross to fulfill the prophecy that he would come to his own and his own wouldn't receive him, they would actually reject him. And he, they crucify him and they hang him on a cross. And as Jesus is hanging on the cross, he says these words, Father, Father, why have you abandoned me? There was a moment in time on, for your behalf and for mine because of what sin has done to this world that the Father broke his perfect community with the, his Son. And he turned his face away and Jesus was abandoned by his Father. And, poured, and God the Father poured out all the judgment that sin deserves upon his son. I like to say this when people are like, God is mad at me. Hear this this morning. God is not mad at you, no matter what you've done. You know why? God only ever got mad once, and it was at his own son, so he wouldn't have to get mad at you. All of the judgment. Everything that sin has ever deserved, your mistakes, my mistakes, the ones that you did, the ones that you are doing, and the ones that you will do, Jesus paid for. That's why when the Father, that's why Jesus said, if there's any other way in the garden that this debt could be made right, if this cup, this thing I have to drink, if it could pass from me, let it be. Nevertheless, not my will but your will be done. I started out with that because I want to talk about abandonment and loneliness for a minute. Got a couple things we should talk through. And the first one is this. Abandonment is real. A couple of articles I read this week when I was looking up 
I was going to ask you to do it, but I maybe later you could do this. Look up on your phone, just Google search, epidemic of, see what pops up. When I Googled epidemic of, it was what I thought it was going to be. But I don't know if it's because of the algorithm, because you know how the, the computers, they can read your brain, and so you look something up, and they already know what you're going to look for. Um, but if I searched up epidemic of, the epidemic of loneliness was the first thing that popped up on mine. And that is the greatest epidemic, not just of our time, but of the time since sin entered the world. The epidemic of loneliness. According to this article I read in the, um, in the New York Times, it says this. It says, loneliness as defined by mental health professionals... So what's the definition of loneliness? This is what they say. It is the gap between the level of connectedness that you want and the level of connectedness that you have. Loneliness is in the middle. You want to be this connected. You realize you're this connected. The feeling of it has nothing to do with. Um, it is not the same as social isolation. COVID just showed what was already there in a lot of ways, right? It was the great accelerator of some of the things that were already going on. If you were experiencing loneliness in the inner person, then all of a sudden you're socially isolated, it, the compound interest starts coming upon the loneliness. But you can be in the middle of a room and feel extremely isolated and feel really alone. Abandonment issues. Like I was looking up, is it okay that I say abandonment issues? Because I don't want to offend anyone. I just want to put terms to what a lot of us are feeling and what Jesus knows full well feels like. Abandonment issues. It is an informal term that describes a strong fear of losing loved ones or them leaving a relationship. It is a form of anxiety that can affect relationships throughout life. And it's a byproduct of what happened in Genesis chapter 3. So we're all the way in the New Testament. We're talking about Jesus when he went to the cross, which was foretold about in Genesis chapter 3 for the first time right after sin entered the world. But here's what happened in Genesis chapter 3. Man and woman, Adam and Eve, they were together. They were fully exposed, the entirety of who they were, emotionally, mentally, physically. They were naked and unashamed. It was just like this. was There was nothing to hide. And they walked with God. It was, it was the most connected mankind had ever been on earth, to God himself. But in Genesis chapter 3, deception came in. And here was the deception. You don't need to follow God. You can say what's best in your own life. God doesn't know what's best for you because he's holding out, for, he's holding out on you. So if you eat of this tree, the one thing that God says, I do not want you to do this because God is God and he's going to ask us to follow what he says. But the devil said, if you do this one thing, you'll see that God is holding out for you. You need to abandon God's way and go your way. See, abandonment is something that we experience, but we as people did to God. The deception is you will know what's best for you when you leave God's rule and authority. And we as mankind abandon God's way for our own. And it was in that same place when God came back and was speaking to Adam and Eve, he made this to the, to the serpent. He said, you have indeed bruised the heel of man, but there is one that was coming that will crush your head. And it is Jesus upon the cross when God turns his face away that sin, judgment is crushed upon the cross in a way is made open that we don't have to live abandoned or apart from God anymore. 
So abandonment is real. It's a real thing. Abandonment is crushing. The second thing about it. You know what the Garden of Gethsemane? Gethsemane? You know what Gethsemane means? It means the crushing place. The olive press. The Mount of Olives where Jesus spoke. Gethsemane is at the bottom. uh, The garden at the bottom where the olives would be gathered. And then there they would be crushed. And the olives would become olive oil so that is the crushing place it is also the place that the son of god was crushed because the battle jesus faced he he fought before the the victory was won before the cross he went to the cross because he knew that when he said if there if there is no other way father not my will but your will jesus knew that whatever lied ahead was from the will of the Father, which meant it was for the best, and God would never leave him where he needed to go. That's why the Bible says Jesus knew that God would not abandon him, even though he turned away, that he was going to see him through what he needed to go through. That's why Jesus rises in victory. According to the Columbia School of Public Health, loneliness is the number one driver of deaths of despair. I couldn't get past this thing that Jesus said. My soul is uh, in anguish, in despair, even unto the point of death. Now I want to say something that might be a little shocking and it's not my intention. But it, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are. Correct? Oh, if you don't know that, the Bible says Jesus was tempted in every way that you are, yet without sin. Which means somehow Jesus was tempted with everything that we face. He wanted to tell a lie. He had every reason to. It could have happened, but did not sin. He he even showed anger, yet without sin. He is our perfect example for everything. At some point, um, Jesus had suicidal thoughts. There was a way out that didn't have to be the Father's way. And maybe if there was ever a point that I could ever see in scriptures when his soul was so in despair that he didn't know if he could go on, if forward was the best way and if there was another way out, this would have been it. And it, we, we know now through studying and this crazy statistics, unfortunately, that we have to study loneliness and abandonment is the number one driver in self-harm-related deaths. It's crushing when you feel abandoned, when you're totally alone. I put, abandonment is the gasoline on the fire of loneliness. It's been said that we are the most connected people to ever walk the face of the earth, and we're about the loneliest at the same time, which shows us that you can be connected and lonely. Look at the devastating deaths that we see of our favorite comedians. The people that make us laugh, you feel connected to through humor, and you never knew that they were dealing with so much despair. Because loneliness crushes a person. Here's the last thing about abandonment. It leaves lasting effects, which is where we get the term abandonment issues. I just want to hit a couple. What are some issues? As I've gotten older, I realize there are things that are sort of (laughs) haywire in my heart and in my mind, and I can trace them back a long ways. Things that happened as a child. And you trace them, and we don't, we don't, we're, oh, I'll be fine, everything's good. And you get older, and then stuff starts to surface, and you realize that stuff's been there. The things get, that get carved when you're young stay there when you're old. 
some abandonment issues. I would say there's some internal issues and some external issues. Here's the internal ones. Your thoughts, the way you think about yourself and others, those of us that have experienced abandonment or real loneliness, we think things like this. Um, they left me because I'm bad. I have nothing to offer. Um, they're bad. They will hurt me. That's our attitudes. And then we have the behaviors that accompany those attitudes. We keep everyone at arm's length. You don't want them to go far away, so you hold on, but you don't let them in because of our thoughts. They will hurt me. Or if they know the real me, they'll leave. We become self-deprecating. I'm bad. I have nothing to offer. We, it causes us to act like somebody else. Well, the real me is bad, so I will just act this way because apparently this way people like. You know the life of the party person? I always think about that Friends episode where Phoebe gets drunk, and everyone's like, I love drunk Phoebe because she becomes this person that everyone has fun with or relates. But it reminds me of high school when people were like, oh, I love drunk version of that person. Because drunk person, drunk version of that person uh, is open, and they say what they want, but drunk person, it becomes this version of this hurting person that just longs to be known and accepted. So we have these bad attitudes about ourselves, so we have these relationship things that we do that are unhealthy. Stay in relationships too long. Learn how to manipulate those around you so you feel loved. It's this whole way of hurting, harming, isolation harms ourselves, all the while hoping to get love and being built up by others, but it's a downward spiral. There are patterns that lead us into more isolation. I talk about all of that because I want to say this. Jesus was abandoned by his people, but check this out. He did not abandon them. See, what happened to me is I learned how to have people sort of die in my mind. You hurt me, you no longer exist. You said those things, let me turn and attack you verbally. I've actually always been fairly uh, quick-witted and sharp-tongued. It's something that I've asked God to soften over all the years of my life. My wife probably has prayed for it more than anyone else, that I would be so careful not to take something that someone says to me and turn it and throw it back. Because I remember I was told younger by these girls in my class especially after I gave my life to Jesus, they said, you changed. They're like, we used to always be scared of you. And I'm like, really? Why? And they were like, because we didn't know what you were going to say to us. And I still hear tendencies in my own tone and attitude now that that could be the case, and it's hard. But it's because I didn't want anyone to hurt me. So if I could hurt them first, I was safe. That's an abandonment issue that I have have always had, and I'm currently continuing to allow God to work in and through. That's why I talk about what it looks like to us and what it looks like to Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus was abandoned by everyone, yet he didn't abandon them. He was abandoned by his friends, but he didn't abandon them. He says, you're going to do this, but I'm going to go before you to Galilee. I'll see you there. We'll talk about that next week. He was rejected by people, but he didn't act out in unhealthy ways. Jesus never became overly needy. Love me, love me. And sometimes we as the church or as Christians, that's how we feel like we need to talk to, like, like us, love us, be part of us. We need you. 
Jesus was so secure in who he was, yet he offered relationship. He offers what it is to find what Adam and Eve had in the garden through. You can bring to me all that you are. He didn't become needy or manipulative. Actually, on the cross, as he was hanging there, he said this in Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, they're casting insults. They had already beat him, mocking him. And he lays there, or he's hanging there with his last breaths. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it says they divided his garments and cast lots. But he's sitting there and he was like, they don't know. They actually don't know. They think they know, but they don't. You know that's God's authority? Maybe you could hear that this morning. You think you know? Your experience wants to tell you, I know how this relationship will go. I know how this will be. I know what the world thinks of me. I know all of these things. And maybe the Lord would want to be like, you think you know, but you don't know. Because you're only looking through your mind and your viewpoint and have never allowed Jesus to say, would you look through mine? Jesus was abandoned, y'all. And here's the deal. It's not because of people's hatred for him, but because of his love for them. Jesus was abandoned by all. And it's not because they said crucify him. They said we don't want him. He did it because of his love for you and for me. He would walk all the way and endure what we could never endure on our behalf. So if we want, we will never have to go through that. That's what it is to place your life in Jesus' hands. He endured abandonment to the fullest extent so we don't have to. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this whole last 24-hour period of Jesus' life where the city turns away, his friends turn away, the religious leaders turn away, the government has him put to death, and he's hanging on a cross, and even at the point where his father turns his face away to pour out judgment for all the sin of all the world that has ever been, ever will be. And we realize, man, as much as I have been abandoned and hurt and messed up, Jesus was abandoned even more. What do you do with that? I want to have, I just want to end our time today by zooming in. And I put here, tell them a hard truth. Here's a hard truth. You will be abandoned by people. Here's another hard truth. Maybe I could put it this way. You have been abandoned by people. Some will abandon you intentionally. Some will do it by accident. Intentional abandonment looks like throwing shade at someone when you don't even know them. You ever had someone say something about you that's not true and you're like, that person doesn't even know me. Why would they say that? Somebody, somebody cancels you in front of everybody and you're like, that person doesn't even know me. That's an intentional abandonment on their part. And you know what? It hurts, if we're honest. So we deal with it in a couple ways. We either turn around and be like, oh, yeah, and we just breathe fire on them. Or we take that inside and you let that become your truth of, of what you start believing about yourself. Or the people who we thought they knew us. Imagine what Jesus felt when Judas got up and went and betrayed him for 30 pieces. So that's the, that's the equivalent of saying, dude, I thought we were friends. We grew up together. And now I'm trying to like get my life right and follow the Lord. And you have these things you want to say about me. That stuff hurts. And you have to walk. That's, a, that's what it is to be because you feel like that person left you. They don't care. 
the people in our immediate circle. And here's even ones that sometimes hurt more, the unintentional ones. This is what us as parents, we're like, we want our kids to be in such a good place. But you know what it's like, the people who sleep on you, they fall asleep on you. You're trying to, you're going through a hard time and you're like, yo, could you guys be with me? But they have their own stuff going. They're tired. Their schedules are busy. And so it feels like abandonment, but it's unintentional because they just have their whole own world going. And you realize, see, that's what that whole in the garden, it sounds like Jesus was mad at Peter and them, but he wasn't. They had been up for a whole day straight. They were tired. He was tired too. They were full outside on a nice spring evening. You'd fall asleep too. The disciples, I put this, people who fall asleep on us, people who know us and love us, but have their own issues they're working through. Moms and dads. When you feel like you're, you thought your mom and dad would be there for you and they must have missed it. They didn't do it on purpose. It's just unintentional. Friends, spouses. When you think your spouse is the one person that's going to be there for you and they blew it. Don't they know? And it's, that's that hard because you feel abandoned and that something happens unintentionally, you put that on them. Or kids. But here's, that's, that's a hard truth. But here is the truth. Jesus will never abandon you. He'll never turn away. He will never fall asleep on you. As a matter of fact, scripture tells us that right now, this very second, and I hope this would land and somebody would believe this because it's the truth. The Bible says that right this very second, Jesus is praying for you. He is making intercession for you. You could say this. He is speaking blessing over your life right now. He has you in mind. How could he have me in mind? There's like 7 billion people on the world because he's God. And he doesn't look at you as like one of the family. He sees you as the one he created, the one that it was all worth having the father turn his face away because you would turn your face toward him. And so he is speaking blessing over your life right now. What's the best version of your life? Someone says, give me the best version of your life. Here's, a, here's a, the paintbrush. I want you to paint me the pic, best picture of your life. If you would be willing, here's the truth. If you would be willing to hand the paintbrush over to Jesus, his painting will beat yours. It will blow yours out of the water. He will be like, that is cool. Do you want to see something really cool? He will never leave you or forsake you. You don't have to jump through hoops to make him love you. You don't have to act a certain way. Oh, I got to be the, the, G, the person that Jesus likes. It's like the Christian version of drunk Phoebe. I have to be this thing so God will approve of me, but really on the inside, this is what's going on. You don't have to do that. He sees through all of that anyways. You don't have to manipulate him with your good works. If I just do this, 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 and this, then God will approve of me. That's not... That's not who God is. The God of the Bible, Yahweh, Jesus, he says, I know who I am. I'm asking you to trust who I am by placing your life in his hands. You don't have to earn God. You don't have to do anything to earn God's love. He's just asking that you would believe him enough to receive it. That's what it is to become a follower of Jesus, realizing you can't earn God's love and you're not supposed to earn God's love. You're just supposed to believe that he loves you as much as he says he does. Let's end with the verse we started with, the one I said circle, put a thing in the, an asterisk in the column. Mark 14, 38. Watch and pray. So Jesus says, you're all going to abandon me. He knew the abandonment that he was going to face by all 
and this is what he said to his disciples. Before he went through any of that, he said this. Watch and pray that you may not enter temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I was talking to, well, me and Matt were talking last night. And uh, just to bring it right in to, like, life. And we're just talking about how hard life is sometimes. And, um, and that you can do good one day, and then the next day you feel like you're doing bad. You can be up and down. One day you feel good about yourself. One day, like, everything just gets under your skin and you're just agitated. One day you're feeling like, man, I feel close to God. Some days you're like, I don't know, man. I'm having some doubts. We're just, life is hard. One day it seems like you got friends, you get invited to go do something. The next day you're like, I don't even think anybody likes me. Anybody else ever feel that way? One day it's like our family's doing good, and one day it's like, I I want to use the H word. I hate my family. They drive me crazy. Come on, Rory. He's like, it's not mine. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the bridge. All right. But here's the truth. We were talking about spiritual battles. You know, it's like a real thing. That while God is doing stuff and he is speaking life blessing over you and he is speaking to your life, there is one that is going, don't trust him. God doesn't know what's best. He's holding out on you. Alcohol was the best thing that ever happened to you. Sleeping with that person every day. That was the best thing that you ever, it felt good in the moment. Yeah, it felt good in the moment, but it left you empty and isolated and speaking false things over yourself or that other person. And then that, and you're like, oh, it didn't work out there. So you go to the next one and then the next one. And, and, and you, you think it's supposed to make you feel better, but it leaves you worse. And you're not finding your answers in this one place, so you go to this one place. And that stuff follows you around because it's a spiritual thing. So we were talking about how do you fight these spiritual battles? Well, Jesus said two things. He said, watch and pray. I changed it so it worked for us. Wake up and open up. Wake up. The best friendships are the ones that can look at a friend in the eyes and say, snap out of it. That's not true. The way that you're acting is not true. Wake up. That is not who you are. Don't you wish? I wish I could tell the world, snap out of it. That's not who Jesus is. You think that he's like this, but that's not, that's not who he is. Wake up. But we as believers, one of my favorite songs right now is by All Sons and Daughters, and it came out a few years ago, but it's called Wake Up. And just the chorus, it just sings it over. Wake up, you sleepers. Wake up, you people of God. And it's just a sense of like, oh, this week is bad, but that does not dictate who I am. I need to wake up that Jesus went through nobody being around so I could say, like David right here in Psalm 16, 8. David said this, I know the Lord is always with me, so I will not be shaken. For he is right beside me. He used to have this way of pep-talking his own soul. David, he would say stuff like, hey, soul, what is wrong with you? Why are you dis disheartened within me? And then he would say, he would tell his soul, hey, Praise the Lord. He would tell his soul, you need to praise the Lord. Right here he says, no one, he says, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. Because he knows that God is with him. My body rests in safety. For you will not leave my soul among the dead. 
or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me joy, the joy of your presence and your pleasures of living with you forever. You are not your last failed relationship. As much as that's the voice you want to hear, I'll never find a good one. All I experience, you are not your parents' story if you come from a broken background. Somebody needs to hear that. I needed to hear it. One of our very first big arguments we were Christians, so we don't have too big of arguments in our home. But when Steph and I first got married, one of our biggest arguments, I'm from, she, I'm from multiple divorces and stuff, and, and, and that's part of my family story. When it's, something's part of your family story, you start to speak it over yourself, for better or for worse. So we want to be speaking things for the better over our, Amen. Part of my story was brokenness. When you argue, one thing leads to another, you get divorced. It's not what people want to happen, but it's what happens, and a lot of it is because you're speaking lies over yourself. And it stems from abandonment. They left, so I guess this is just what it... And so I remember, I was like, what? And I remember battling, I was like, what does this mean? You know, arguments. And praise God for the strength of my wife, but she was, you know... I said something real stupid and, and mean, kind of like, what is this, like, the fights that, like, lead to divorce? And she looked at me as <laughs> stern as she could, and she was like, don't you ever say that again. And I never have. Because it was that night, I was, I was pretty broken, I was praying, and God said this to me. He said, it ends with you. You're not a continuation of the stuff that you've been through. That's what it is to be born again to find a new start, to have your insides come alive like never before. You are not your last failure. Your worth is not based on what others think or say about you. If you're walking down the street and people are going to throw shade at you, your worth is not what that person says about you. The gospel is trying to get people to see what Jesus says about you. That's the place we want to live from. You are not what people have done to you. You are what Jesus has done for you. Some of us need to wake up to the fact that Jesus knows us and loves us and gave himself for us. Wake up, he says. And the last thing he says is pray. I put this, open up. Because when we pray, we, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what David prayed. David went through some really hard stuff, and yet he would be like, I know God is for me. I know he will never leave me. He would speak it over himself. So I believe that that's where we're supposed to end this morning. We're supposed to see that we have, the epidemic of loneliness is a real thing. A lot of us, experience it in real deep ways and it's hard to put words around it but Jesus knows how you feel he's been there himself but he went to that place so you don't have to let that place define you some of us have been really hurt or we've done the hurting to others we have left we have abandoned or we've been abandoned Jesus would say I know what that is like to be to be uh, to feel that way that others would leave you but praying is speaking over ourselves that that is not where we have to be. We don't have to live there. So I want to close our time just by praying over. And here's my invitation today. If you experience loneliness or you, would, you heard what David said and you're like, man, I wish that I could get me some of that. Some of that, no wonder my soul is glad because I know God will never leave me. If you're just like, man, I could, you, if you could top me off with some of that, that would be really good. That's going to be our prayer this morning, that God would, that we would see more of ourselves through his eyes, not 
our own. Um, Because let's be real. There's a lot of hurt. The epidemic of loneliness is getting more and more and more. So are we just supposed to take our turn in this thing for our generation, see where it gets us, and then pass it on to someone else? I say heck no. I believe that God can do infinitely more, and where there is a valley of dead bones, God can bring life, and he can speak through us and build up future generations. And, uh, yeah, that's what I'm for. So I'm going to speak that over myself today. And if you want, you can join in. If you want God to just give you a refreshment of his spirit, I'm going to ask that you would just raise your hand so we could show that we are in this together. And I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Um, Lord, I look out and I see my friends out here. I see my, you say that my church family. Uh, your body and um, we're a body that gets used like an athlete we got bumps we got bruises we got scrapes we got we got cuts we got scars we need healing we want to be healthy and you are in charge of it all so we pray lord for a refreshment of your spirit that you would bring healing to where there are hurts and I pray for anyone in here that has experienced um, people close to them leaving them and made them feel less than who they really are it hurts to be alone but we pray through looking at how Jesus went through this that that, this, that, they, that they would know, as Jesus knew, you would never let, him, never let it get the best of him. That you speak life, that you see individuals with a story and with purpose and with so much beauty uh, when you look at individuals. So Lord, I just pray over each of those people this morning. We ask that collectively as a church, that we would be a place who not only sees it for us, but that it would overflow out of our hearts and we would see that for others. As we go from here today, back to our work, back to school in different places, give us your eyes for people. Help us be the ones to speak blessing and healing and identity over others, to speak truth over other people. Thank you, Lord, for today. We love you. We sing the song in response to your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Go ahead and stand with us, please.